Building influence is something anyone can learn. It's an investment you can make in yourself and it can hold the keys to achieving your dreams and having the life and impact you want to have. I'm Laura Cox Kaplan. I've learned a lot over three decades about building and sustaining influence and how using it and using it effectively can make a big, big difference in your life and career. Here on She Said, She Said podcast, we're digging into the different dimensions that help us build and sustain influence. If you thought being an influencer was just for social media, think again. Whether you're starting a business, raising money for a cause, negotiating a promotion, running your household, or trying to connect with those who don't share your views, understanding and using the different dimensions of influence will increase your chances of success, whatever your goals may be. Listening to She Said, She Said podcast is a smart, efficient investment you can make in you. I'm really glad you're here and I'm excited we're on this journey together. Hey friend, happy September, happy fall, happy back to school for many of us. Even if you aren't launching kiddos back into school or sending them off to college, this transition from summer to fall is often a great opportunity for a little reset. There's something I think about the change in seasons even if the weather isn't necessarily that different. And let's face it, if you are in the DC area, it's in the mid nineties here right now, but it does signal a pivot or a coming pivot. And it can be a great time to pull out your goals and to spend some time reflecting on what you hope to accomplish between now and the end of the fiscal year. And as I talked about in our first episode that launched this season of She Said, She Said podcast, episode 260, one of my eight tips was spending a few minutes reflecting as you transition back into fall from your summer break. And one specific reason for doing this is to make sure that you're capturing and really memorializing all those little ideas and creative sparks, they might not even be ideas, they literally might just be sort of a glimmer of inspiration, if you will, something that maybe needs a little more development, but you don't want to lose that little nugget. Just capturing those things so that you can refer back to them later is a great practice for beginning to ease back in, but to do so in a way that can really help you maximize the benefits of taking that time off. And I share, as I said, seven other tips for doing that. Again, it's in our first episode that launched this season, episode 260. But today, because so many of us are kicking off the school year and all that comes with it, I want to introduce you to a new friend today who shares a few additional practices that I'm actually adding to my own toolkit, and I think you might want to do the same. Her name is Shauna Hawking. She is a leadership coach, development expert, and author who joins me in this week's conversation to talk about a development, a personal development strategy that she developed called One Bold Move a Day. Now that also happens to be the title of her terrific book. But one of the things that I think is especially important about our conversation today is that bold, as Shauna thinks about it, is actually how you decide to define bold. 
In reality, it means forward movement, essentially doing that thing or those things with intention that help you propel forward. But here's the thing, your bold may be very different, maybe dramatically different from someone else's bold. And we talk about the importance of why that matters and of defining for ourselves what that looks like and why we're likely to actually get more value and to move closer to our goals when we come up with what is our own definition of what bold really means. This is also a great tool I think for helping you avoid the comparison trap. And while Shauna and I don't really talk about the comparison trap dimension of this, it actually struck me after we finished recording this and I think you'll find that too. In any event, it's important perspective, certainly for helping us tackle goals, but it's also great advice for plowing through the overwhelm that often accompanies this time of year. So I think you'll appreciate that too. Now, a couple of other tools that Shauna describes that I especially loved, and I think you will too. The first is she talks about a process of drafting letters to herself and the value that she gets from that. And when we talk about that, she also shares several helpful prompts that you can use when crafting those letters. I love this practice. Another of Shauna's tools is to create what's called a user manual for yourself and how that can help not only you clarify for yourself the type of leader, boss, mom, entrepreneur, whatever it is that you hope to be, but also you can use this as a tool for managing your team to ensure greater clarity between your expectations and their expectations. Really, really great stuff. We also talk about Shauna's pivot story. And one of the dimensions that I especially love is how she talks about the way in which her purpose remained the same, but her job and career actually shifted in order to help her to continue to to fulfill that purpose. I loved that dimension and found that to be a really important element in her story, and I think you'll appreciate how she talks about that as well. Lots packed into today's conversation, but those were three things that I think you'll really appreciate. Okay, so before we jump into the conversation with Shauna, though, I did want to say a quick thank you to you and to share a new milestone that we've reached here together at She Said, She Said podcast. We actually hit and surpassed more than 300,000 downloads, and our global popularity rating is in the top 1.5% of all podcasts globally. Now, that means a couple of things. You are in good company as you listen to this podcast, and I am really, really grateful for you. But based on what you've told me, you are also continuing to find this content and my carefully selected guests to be a good use of your time. I am incredibly gratified by that. And most of all, I am really, really grateful to you. So thank you. And thank you for letting me take just a quick minute to share that with you. All right, friend, here is this week's conversation, episode 262, with the incredibly thoughtful Shauna Hawking. Shauna, welcome to She Said, She Said. Laura, I'm so glad to be here with you. 
Well, I'm delighted to have you. I really loved the book. I had a chance to read it over the course of the summer, and I think it's so smart. But before we jump in to the content of the book, I'd love for you to level set with my audience a little bit about who you are and what you do. Great. Well, I, uh, I'm a leadership consultant and coach an author and a keynote speaker. I spent 20 years in university fundraising, raising hundreds of millions of dollars and leading large collaborative teams. And I found my dream career at age 18. And it's really my true joy and purpose to help others figure out what their purpose is and find and pursue their best life. That's amazing. You know, oftentimes when we find our dream job at such a young age, we can find that we outgrow it. And I'm curious as to how you keep it fresh and how you, you know, how, again, you found this purpose in life, but your, your job and position has ultimately shifted and changed a bit over the last several years, right? Yes, and you've said that so well. At 18, when I found my dream career, I didn't even know that you might have other purposes and other callings. Mm. And I felt really fortunate to do this work in the communities where I was, at the universities and academic medical centers. And then after 20 plus years of doing that, which you know coincided with the pandemic, I realized, wow, life is short and I have an entire life ahead of me still. And that was where I found that I had a new calling to help more organizations and more leaders. And so I made this pivot that I could never have imagined beforehand to go into business for myself. I love that. You know, a lot of people get stuck at that particular point where you realize that the job itself has changed. But in your case, it was the job that wasn't, you know, maybe giving you enough uh, to challenge you as you were growing and changing and evolving, but the purpose still stayed the same. So I'd be interested in hearing your perspective on kind of how you navigated that and how you advise others to navigate that. Well, I do feel really fortunate that I am still very clear on what my purpose is, and it is to help others achieve more than they ever thought possible through their leadership and philanthropy. It just looks a little bit different every day. Uh, It is unusual to be so clear early on in your career with what you want to do for, quote, the rest of your life. So I don't want people to think that that's the ultimate takeaway. I think what it is is stepping back for just a few minutes from all the hustle and bustle that's happening around you and saying, what really does bring me the most energy? What do I want to learn and who do I want to become? And those are some big questions and they do take time and reflection, but they're worth it for people to show up every day in a, will, in a way that they feel like they're using their strengths. Yeah. How did you learn this? I mean, we're, we're going to jump into the book, which is really part of your kind of methodology or ideology around exactly that, what, what, what you just said. But maybe back us up a little bit and talk about how you knew to do that at such a young age. Well, I don't think it was as planful when I first found my purpose and calling. Up until the point where I found fundraising my freshman year, I wanted to be a writer, a social worker, a fashion designer, a rabbi. And um, as we do, right, we want to be all things. Um, So as long as I was wearing great clothes, no matter what the job I was in, then I felt pretty good about aligning that purpose. Um, But I describe finding my purpose really as one of those like movie moments where you walk into the room and everything starts to go fast and slow at the same time. There's music in the background. 
um, that is highly unusual. And so I do think what um, something that I have done really well is to to look back on where I've been before rushing to where I'm going. And um, that's an acquired skill and it's one that can be learned. And I I think that that's my best advice. We're always like crossing things off the to-do list, going to the next thing, waiting for that next job title, that next salary range. But like, why? Why are we doing that? And are we doing this for someone else? Because ultimately I hear this a lot, that they're pursuing what really somebody else had created that dream for them. Yeah. Do you think that process of reflection, was that something that you learned at home or something that you, did you have a class in college that that was, you know, something that was recommended? How did you know to do that? Was that, is that something that you've always done? I credit a lot to my mom, Laura. She's the person I dedicated this book to. Um, She was beside me every step of the way, reminding me to slow down, reminding me to celebrate my progress. And uh, I heard her voice in my head many times. I didn't always listen to it because unfortunately that's what we do. But um, but that that reflection, that reminder uh, is something I learned from her. Yeah, I love that. I absolutely love that. Okay, let's jump into the meat of the book. Your book is called One Bold Move a Day. And it's the the title might be a little bit misleading to some people when they hear it. Um, so describe for us what that actually means from your perspective. Well, I'm so glad that we're defining this because I think people hear bold move and they think all capital letters, billboard on a highway, text to your best friend. I define a bold move as a meaningful action that helps you move forward, learn, and grow. Mm. And this means that every day it is possible to make a bold move in your personal or professional life. You define what a bold move is for you, and nobody else gets to judge it. And sometimes bold moves are quiet, and other people don't even know that you're making them. And this framework has enabled me to reach my career, personal, and professional goals, and um, and I've seen it transform others, and that's why I'm so passionate about it. Yeah. Maybe give us a few examples, even though you just said that it is very subjective and very unique to the individual, but maybe what differentiates a quote unquote bold move, as you describe in the book, from just another day of just doing your thing? So I think it's mostly about the intention that we have behind the choices that we make Mm. and then the follow through. Your bold move might be uh, speaking to someone you don't know in a coffee shop or asking for a promotion or a raise or moving across the country or reaching out to ask someone to meet with you who you think could be a mentor or, uh, you know, asking the barista to fix your coffee order because it wasn't exactly what you had in mind. Uh, these are all bold moves because there's an opportunity for learning and an opportunity for growth. And your bold move, Laura, might look really different than mine does. Um, But my bold moves also change over the day and over time because I change and evolve over time too. Yeah, interesting. Very interesting. Let's talk about how goal setting actually fits into these bold moves because again you know goal setting just like bold moves as you've just talked about can be very or can't is very personal to the person it's very subjective right um so maybe let's talk about how goal setting and prioritization as it relates to your career and what you want to accomplish let's talk about how those things fit together When you are setting out to reach a goal, if you are 
not creating the steps to reach that goal, then I like to say that it's more of a bold wish than a bold move. Mm. And um, the great thing about setting the steps to reach your goals is that it gives you an opportunity to celebrate progress. And celebrating progress is one of the fundamental parts of making your bold moves because they do not always go as hoped or planned. They often don't go as hoped or planned, even if they turn out great. And so, um, you know, you think about what your your bold move is. Maybe that is to work toward a promotion in your job. Okay, great. So what are the bold moves that I'm going to make each day in order to get to that goal, even though I might not be doing that for the next six to 12 months? Okay, so I'm going to research what other uh, people in the organization are. Uh, what their jobs are like and what mine could look like. That's my bold move for that day. Uh, maybe I'm going to talk to people in other uh, companies who are in the same industry or role that I want to be in. Just reaching out to them one day could be your bold move. And then the meeting another day is another bold move. And all of these steps, when you start to track them, you're thinking, I am working toward the thing that's most important to me, but I'm not losing sight of the fact that it's not happening today because I've given myself this roadmap and this pathway to both work to the big goal, but also to say, wow, look how far I've come. Yeah, I, I, I love that. You talk in the book about, and, and you touch on something that we talk about on this podcast a lot, which is mindset, basically, like the way that you approach the particular challenge or obstacle or goal or whatever it happens to be, and how important it is to have a progress-focused mindset, which is so interesting. Maybe share a little bit more about how you define that, how you define that progress. So the progress mindset is one of the four foundational mindsets to making your bold moves. And the progress mindset for me was probably one of the hardest ones for me to learn because I had such ambitious goals and I wanted to get to the top of that proverbial mountain that we're all climbing. And when you're on the way to do that, uh, you know, the what you thought was the top of the mountain might actually be the middle of the mountain. Mm -hmm. And then when you get to the top of the mountain and you get that big goal or that big job or that big whatever it is for you, then what, right? And, and so then we get there and we stop? No, of course not. There's always another mountain to climb. And so this idea of the progress mindset is to celebrate each step that you're making and what you've learned along the way and how it's getting you closer to your goals so that you're not only focused on that outcome, you're also focused on enjoying the journey because we spend so much time rushing all the time to that outcome. And um, this also helps to keep us motivated when we don't get the exact outcome that we had in mind, that we don't just fall apart because there were times early in my life and career where the goal didn't happen, the work out, you know, didn't work out the way I wanted it to, and I just literally fell apart. Well, but what if I'd said, my gosh, Shauna, you put yourself out there in the very first place, and that is something we're celebrating, now get back out there and do it again. That's really where the progress mindset comes in. Yeah, and it, it also sounds like, too, you know, another piece of that is celebrating those small wins, those, you know, micro steps potentially. I mean, even though, again, what's a micro step for one person might be a macro step for somebody else, as you've talked about, but really remembering to take that moment and and just celebrate the fact that you, you're moving forward, right? Even if it's failure, right? <laughs> That's right, because failure is learning, right? Absolutely. You know, I've gotten rejected a lot in my career. I'm a fundraiser. I ask people for money. I definitely get rejected a lot in my career and as a writer and all these things. But um, but many people would say, oh, Sean, I could never do fundraising. 
well, guess what? I love doing fundraising. So, okay, I got that no. What am I going to learn from it? What am I going to do differently? Okay, so not everyone wants to have that writing. You know, the book got rejected a million times when I first started writing it, but now I've got a book on a bookshelf in Barnes & Noble. So each of these things, you can either let it deter you from reaching your goal, or you can celebrate the win of trying to reach that goal and letting it guide you to make your next step. Maybe as part of that, if you can help me understand kind of how you reframe those failures or setbacks or those rejections, right? How do you take those pieces and reframe them as progress when you're just like, oh my God, I've been rejected now 47 times and this is not going to happen and la 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 la. Sort of walk us through how do you, how do you change your mindset when it's just so difficult to look at those setbacks as progress? Well, the first thing I want you to do is feel your feelings. I think mm. this part's really important because um, we are human, And when we care very deeply about reaching our goals, when we take our work personally, which I do believe in in taking work personally, then it hurts when things don't go the way that we wanted to or people reject us. It feels like a personal thing. And so first feel your feelings. That that is just fundamental also because um, if you're not truly being yourself, then, then none of this really matters anyway. So first feel your feelings and then... Uh, you have to go back to the things that you have done well. You can't just focus on the things that didn't go uh, the way that you intended. So for me, the best way that I know how to do this is by keeping what I call a bold move folder. In the book, it's called the Atta Girl folder, and I've renamed it uh, in order to be as inclusive as possible for everyone reading the book. And so in the bold move folder is where you start tracking your notes, accolades, and accomplishments. And uh, they might be from a client or from a boss, or it might be an award that you submitted for uh, whether or not you received it. And all of those things start to go into your, whether it's a paper folder or an email version um, that you can look back on when you are feeling like I couldn't possibly get back out there to try this again. You have this treasure trove of reminders of how many times you have gotten back out there and tried again to help remind you of why you need to do it again. I love that. It's in my, you know, personal toolkit as well. And I always find that that what doing just what you said, when your confidence is low, when you just need that little extra spark, right? You know, having your, you know, the group of people around you is great, but having those things that you can turn to that just remind you can really, really help you boost your spirits. I love that you just said that. I think that's such a great, it's such a great tool and something that everyone should do and just make a habit of capturing those positive messages that you have received, those accolades. That's really, really important. Um, One of the things I was so um, interested to read in your book was the fact that as you began to develop this side hustle, which has become your business, that you were very inclined to downplay it. Um, Maybe talk a little bit about that and how that experience ultimately informed your approach for helping others to sort of think about this maybe a little bit differently. 
When I first started writing and sharing online, it was back in the days when LinkedIn was just kind of started blogging. And at the time, I was really just sharing all these articles that I was reading that my friends were sick of me sending to them. And so I thought, oh my gosh, I've got this built-in place where I can just send it out to the universe and then who wants to read it gets to read it. Um, And so because I started in this way where I was just doing things in order to help people that I might not ever know... By the time it became a regular thing where I had a personal brand online and I started doing speaking and teaching, I still had that mindset of what I did from the very beginning, which was just like, this is just what you do. You just share to help people. And um, I also had a full-time day job and I loved my day job and uh, it gave me a lot of insights that I then wrote about. And so it it took really a very encouraging friend, my friend Christy, um, who said to me, Shauna, this is not a side hustle. This is your side career. Mm -hmm. And that word career, Laura, really triggered something for me to take it more seriously. And so, um, you know, listen, I did have a day job that was my my primary. And I think that they probably would have liked me to be there, there only. I think that there are a lot of organizations that don't see the value in in sharing outside of work, whether that's doing the kind of writing and thought leadership that I was doing, or if you are selling your own wares um, that you create as your business, companies are a little bit um, hesitant to embrace that you can have many facets. So that was another part of it was that I didn't want to, I didn't want to ever look like I was not giving my full intention and, and interest to my day job. Um, But I think that those experiences did contribute to why I want people to see that there are so many things that we do outside of work that bring value to the work that we do as well. And we shouldn't be afraid of that. Companies and organizations should not be afraid of their employees having many facets. If you nurture them, then it makes them even stronger at the day job that they have for you too. Yeah. Do you have any advice for maybe approaching your manager, your CEO, maybe it's even, you know, a peer or your colleagues about something that you're working on as a side hustle. How do you approach them in a way that maybe can help get buy-in for the idea or maybe make it, you know, an extension of what you're doing at, at the, at, at, at sorry, <laughs> maybe an extension of what you're actually doing in your day job. Maybe give some advice for how you can have those conversations. I think that you have to know your individual manager or peer or colleague best. So I can give general advice, but I, you, you'll know if your manager is the kind of person who's going to want to even have this conversation with you. Sure. But I think being upfront and honest about this is something I'm really enjoying doing. I do not do it during my work hours. It does not take away from the joy that I have in this work. But here's this other thing that I'm pursuing that brings me energy. And I use that energy in order to better inform how I show up for you and this organization every day. And I think being upfront about that and reassuring them that you're not doing it during work hours. I think that's every manager's worst fear is that you just suddenly are getting paid for two jobs that you're doing. And so you, you need to say that. And and like, for example, if you're putting out thought leadership online, you might even have to tell your manager that there's things such as scheduling tools, because don't assume that they know that, that if you're posting at 11 in the middle of when you're in a staff meeting, that you probably had some kind of scheduler that was able to do that for you. Yeah, yeah. And, and probably being really mindful of the fact that your persona as an employee, like you're part of that organization. So your, you know, public facing 
comments, you're posting all those sorts of things. Um, you know, this is a, my She Said, She Said audience is a pretty sophisticated audience. And a, and a lot of the, the disproportionate number of people listening are mid-career. So a lot of people are sort of considering pivots mid-career, maybe even later on in their career. One of the topics that I, I think folks will be particularly interested in is this idea of entrepreneurship and thinking about, okay, I have an idea or I know I'm capable of doing something else. I want to try entrepreneurship, but I'm not exactly sure where to start, maybe putting it all together. So maybe let's talk about it from that perspective. Um, You know, the person's already decided, maybe I don't have a side hustle, but I want to try something new. Maybe how do you land on and decide what that thing is? What's your advice for doing that? Well, I think it's important to reflect on what the strengths are that you want to bring to this new opportunity, or what do you think would give you additional energy. And uh, you know, take out a pen and paper, or you know, talk into your phone, and and reflect on what your superpowers are. What are the mm-hmm. things that you do extremely well that you would like to do more of? And um, and then you know, maybe do some googling about what are the jobs that use those types of skills. And um, oftentimes, I hear people say things like. You know, my friends always come to ask me about X. Okay, well, that's a really good sign that that's one of your superpowers. Like, What are people asking you about? What are you the expert on? And could there be a way for you to leverage that into your side career? And it doesn't have to be a full-fledged business all the time. You know, a side career can be whatever you define it as. Uh, Be really clear, though, on your why. Are you doing this to make more money? Are you doing this because you feel like you're not fulfilling your full potential? Are you doing this because it's something you really want to test out to see if it's, you know, a potentially could be a full-time career for you? Because that why is going to guide you in your hardest moments when you are balancing your day job, your side career, your family, your loved ones, your hobbies, and all of those things. And, uh, and again, the clearer you are on that, the more you can rely on it over time. Yeah, yeah, I, I I love that advice. I think that's amazing. Um, those are some great questions to ultimately ask yourself. You talk about uh, those in the book and provide a number of prompts, which is so incredibly helpful. But one of my favorite tips that you talk about in the book is this letter to yourself. Tell us what that is and how that can be helpful. So I first started writing a letter to myself um, you know, the whole Dear Shauna, Love Shauna letter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, earlier in my career, uh, it was a, a throwback in some ways to the the diaries we used to write in as kids. But what I wanted to do was figure out a way to celebrate progress, to be able to look back over time. And so I did it at one point, you know, for myself. And then uh, shortly after, I became a manager of a team for the first time. And I went from being a peer and, and to, into the supervisor role. And I desperately wanted to help this team thrive in their work and uh, created this whole program for a retreat. And that was where I started it. This letter to yourself then became something I invited every team member to do. The letter was only for them. 
And I did give them some prompts and then gave them the option of whether they wanted to seal it in an envelope and I would give it back to them in a year or if they wanted to keep it uh, somewhere visible for them. But what this letter has done over time for me and for the people that um, I've you know, been a leader to and also the clients that I work with also do this exercise is that it's given them a, a place in time to say, this is where I am today. This is where I want to be. And then, wow, look look at all these things that I was able to learn over that time. And I put all these letters, Laura, into my Bold Move folder. So I've got le- letters to myself over the last many years uh, that I'm also able to look back on. And so the letter prompts can range from, you know, what are three things that you're proudest of this mm-hmm. year? What are you most grateful for this year? What do you want to learn this year? And, you know, what do you think is something that you'd like to be able to celebrate success on when you look back on this letter a year from now? Those are just suggested prompts. I've got more in the book, but the idea is it's your letter. Yeah. It is your moment in time to mark. I love that. So you've been doing this for a number of years, writing these letters to yourself. I'm curious as to any big ahas that you've had as you've gone back to reread and and do you reread um, all of the letters? Do you re- reread them with some frequency or sort of what 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 is your 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 uh, your cadence for going back and reflecting and 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 what are those sort of ahas that's come out of that process? Well, I think there's so many ahas that come out. I mean, sometimes I forget that I told myself I wanted to do something, and yeah. so then to see it show up later and think, wow, I've wanted to do this for a long time, and I was able to do this. Um, and, and that's a really important reminder about celebrating progress. Mm -hmm. And then other times the vision for what I wanted to have in my life has changed as my life has changed. Probably in my very first letter, I said that I wanted to be vice president of development at a university because that's what I was working toward for my entire career until I wasn't anymore, Mm -hmm. you know? And so, um, now I work with vice presidents of universities as clients in my business. So that doesn't, what, do, what that means is I didn't miss the goal. My goal evolved. I evolved. But it's still present in some way in what was important to me. And the things that are not important to me are also really important uh, moments. Like, why is this not important to me anymore? What, what can I attribute that to? What can I learn from that? So when I look back at them, it's probably a little bit more accidental than intentional because they're in my bold move folder. So when I pull the bold move folder out, what I like to do, I mean, I've had it for 20 plus years, is I'll just randomly pick something out as a a reminder. I do have a section for these letters where I can go to them. But um, I kind of like the idea that you're sparking right now, which is maybe once a year when when I'm looking at that letter, I should look at all of them at the same time. Yeah, I mean, it would be an interesting exercise to to go back and to really think about Shauna at, I don't know, 22, Shauna at 25, Shauna at 27. Um, It's a really fun, you know, it's a really fun thing that you have created for yourself and incredibly useful. Um, I just, I I love that idea and I'd not heard it described quite like that as writing a letter to yourself. So I really, I really love that. one of the other things that that struck me that I especially loved was this concept of a user manual for yourself as both a boss and a leader, sort of the 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 kind of boss and leader that you want to be. Maybe talk a little bit about what you mean by that and how you can create that. 
Well, the About Me template is the leader's user manual that I used myself as a leader of a large team. And um, it's something I've seen resonate a lot with uh, people because what it does is it really builds trust faster and because you get to know who someone is in their own words. And uh, so when you fill out this About Me template, again, there's prompts that I offer, but um, you can write whatever version of the document that you want. The kinds of things that I think are helpful to include in there are um, what your superpowers are, uh, where people can get the best of you in the workplace, uh, how best to communicate with you. My go-to must include is what do people misunderstand about you? Mm. So much about the workplace is, oh, well, I thought you meant, or when you made that face, I thought that was, but no one ever says those things, right? right? They just hold on to them. They talk about them with someone else, but they're not talking about it with you. <laughs> and so what it does for me as a leader is it says, I'm telling you upfront that this is something I've already learned about myself. And so now you don't have to second guess or, you know, wonder, right? Because I, that wastes so much time. We waste so much energy. So this user manual is helpful because it says, this is this is our operating procedure for us mm -hmm. together. And obviously, I'm more than a piece of paper, and so are you. But what it also does is it gives me a chance to say, hey, Laura, I'd love for you to create your About Me template because I want to be the best boss that I can be for you. And by asking you to do this, I'm creating a partnership with you, and I'm helping you to see that I'm not uh, – that I really value where you're coming from. And I, I think all of those things just help to build trust, particularly in a remote hybrid workplace mm. where we, we, we don't really know what people mean anymore, especially in a text or in an email or a Slack. So let's just be upfront with what's important to us so that we can get the best out of each other and get the best work done and have the most fun while we're doing it. Yeah, I love that. I think that's such a smart way of level setting your relationship with your colleagues, with your peers, with your, you know, the, the folks that are working with you. I think that's really, really smart. Um, I'm curious, because you wrote the book, what, about a year and a half ago, something like that, the book came out last year? Yeah, right? it came out November 2022. I'm curious if anything changed for you as a result of writing the book. I always hear that people are never quite the same on the backside of writing a book as they were going into it. So maybe talk a little bit about did anything change for you? And if so, what what that looks like? Well, I made a lot of bold moves when I was writing this book because I turned in the first draft of the manuscript uh, the same day that I resigned from my corporate nonprofit job. Wow. So that was like a very strong demarcation in this whole journey. And again, on a journey I didn't envision myself on mm. um, as part of my career. So that was the very first thing for me that it, it, the book was coming out the year that I went out on my own in business. So that was pretty significant. Um, there's something to be said about sharing so much of yourself. I mean, this is my story, um, but it is also based on a lot of research and things that I did as a leader. Um, you are you are putting all that out into the world and it is no longer just yours. Um, you have to get really comfortable with the fact that people who don't know you actually now do know you. Right. And, um, but the, there's so many joys that I couldn't have expected or only could have wished for. Honestly, I, I received a note uh, just recently on LinkedIn um, from a woman early in her career. And she said to me, my internship at my last, uh, my, my boss at my last internship 
gave me your book. And it happened to be around the same time when I was interviewing for university development jobs. And I saw this as a sign. And I took this job and I couldn't be happier in my career. And you played an important role in this. And Laura, that was so moving, not just because I played a role in someone's career I never even met, but I love this field so much that it was always my goal since I was 19 years old to help others find and love this profession too. So to know that one bold move a day played that tiny part in that one in person's journey, uh, that is a gift that I will always treasure. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I absolutely love that. I, I, I do want to say too, though, you know, even though you wrote this book for a particular segment or sector, I think the applicability for anyone out there who is looking for some guidance or looking for a way to, to kind of recalibrate and focus on what their bold move a day might be, that it is completely relevant across all those sectors, because obviously I don't have a background in fundraising or in um, academia the way that you do. So, you know, and I found a lot of value in in the book. So I would say too, for anyone listening, um, I think there's broad applicability and just so many, Shauna shares her, her story so beautifully, but also a lot of tactical, practical, thoughtful advice for how you can bring your best self and how you can really manage yourself. So I really love the way that you that you put the book together. So thank you for sharing that with everyone. Thank you. And I really appreciate that comment. Laura, when I wrote this book, it was important for it to be on a business bookshelf. Mm-hmm. There's not enough books written by women. Right. I have an entire business bookshelf of wonderful books, but there's just not enough books written by women. And Agreed. it was important for me to be where a book that everybody in every industry would look and see it as a resource. It was especially a moment of pride for me as a nonprofit fundraiser to say, I belong on a traditional business bookshelf. So creating that for women and for men, right? I've had just as many men say this book was helpful to me too in my own career, Mm -hmm. in my own leadership. Um, But I think what's valuable is that people in all different industries have found themselves in it. That to me is what I was going for. Yeah, I absolutely love that. Shauna, thank you so much for the time today. I've loved this conversation and love getting to know you. And and the book, again, is called One Bold Move a Day. Shauna, thank you for being here. Laura, thank you for what you do for all of us. Hey, friend, thanks for listening. I would love to hear your feedback on this episode and which of Shauna's tips you might include in your own personal toolkit. As I was reflecting on this conversation, I am planning to add her Letters to Yourself tool in my annual review process. I love the idea of writing a letter to myself that actually sets out my goals and intentions for the year, and I think it might be a great way to actually refresh the process that I've been using, and I especially loved the prompts that she shared for how you can create some structure around that. But I'd love to hear what you thought. So send me your thoughts and which pieces and which tools really resonated most with you. One great way to do that is to take a quick screenshot. If you're listening to this podcast on your phone, take a screenshot, share it on Instagram, on LinkedIn, Facebook, or threads. And if you do that, be sure to tag me at Laura Cox Kaplan, and I'll be sure to reshare it. In the meantime, friend, you take care, and I'll talk to you again next week. And remember, She Said, She Said podcast is a weekly production of She Said, She Said Media.